Welcome to Uncharted Careers. I'm Courtney Hartman, and I talk with guests each week about their career paths to give listeners an insider look into different industries, how folks have made decisions in their careers, and we'll explore what each guest has learned along the way. I'm on a mission to share knowledge that is only learned in the field outside of a classroom. Join me to find inspiration for your own career. Today, I am very excited to have a close friend of mine on, Andrew McKenzie. He and I met while we were working at a ticketing company called Vendini, where I was working in customer success and he was working in sales. He and I connected quickly over music and have seen probably 100 concerts together. His passion for music is really infectious, and it's been really fun as his friend to watch him become a full-time professional musician over the past few years. If you ever have the opportunity to see him perform, I really highly recommend it. On this episode, you'll hear about how he took his music hobby and turned it into his career. If you enjoy this episode, please leave me a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy. Well, anytime I get to play my instrument is definitely just the happiest time. So a lot lately has been very good. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite guitar? A favorite guitar? Giving- a lot of love too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have this baby blue one that is very pretty that I like a lot. It sounds really nice. Good too. Yeah, with a with a leopard print strap for uh, oh for our boy Prince. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very pretty. Yeah. Well, Andrew, I'd love to start off just by talking more about what you do today professionally. Yeah, um, a lot of different things. I guess you could call it a working musician here in the Bay Area, a producer maybe, an artist sometimes. But yeah, it it ends up looking very different day to day, I guess. Well, tell me about your last week. What did that look like? So I spend a lot of time here at my desk learning music and practicing. Um, I find that's very needed for me. But then a lot of time out at rehearsals. I think I had like four or five rehearsals last week. And then three or four gigs um, playing out, like at a show or a concert or something like that. Um, And then I spent maybe like two or three hours actually recording music for other people and kind of working on that. So, yeah, uh, a lot of different stuff every, every day, but most of it is centered around playing guitar. And where are you finding these gigs? I know you play in a couple different bands and have some recurring gigs. Where are you like making the connections to be a part of these shows that you're performing in or these recordings? Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of different places, but I generally find that it's in kind of circuits. So I'll get in with a group of musicians or uh producer or something like that that'll bring me in and I'll get many gigs from that group of people um Mm -hmm. and just being in a bunch of different circuits it kind of comes in that way Mm -hmm. um but you know through references of friends a lot of times somebody will call somebody looking for a guitar player um and they'll throw my name in the hat and give me a call for that Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I try, I try to spend a lot of time like out at shows, whether I'm playing or not, meeting people and just 
having my face out there, you know, and mm-hmm. that, that seems to help. Yeah, just connecting with people and seeing where they may need a guitarist and all, all of that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but m- most of it's through word of mouth and just friends. So yeah, trying mm-hmm. to stay top of people's mind and it is always good. How long have you been playing guitar? Uh, since middle school is probably like 15 ish years, almost 20. How did you start picking up guitar? Oh man. Um, I had a, I had a friend, like my best friend in middle school, his dad was a, still is a musician, like just a working musician and played saxophone. And so we'd always be over at his house and his dad would have friends over and they'd be jamming. And that was just so cool to me. Um, so I picked it up then and we, me and this friend took guitar lessons together and, um, yeah, it, it had always been a hobby for me until I guess very recently, um, where I kind of started doing it more full time, but it had just been something that I did with my friends and enjoyed doing privately for a long time. And when you were young and you were starting to play guitar and, picking up different types of music. Did you have an idea that you would want to become a professional musician or did it just kind of evolve into that? I mean, my family and kind of the way my life was going back then, it was very much go to college, get a, get a nine to five and kind of do that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so it, really was never something I saw myself doing professionally mm-hmm. um, until I think I think later in high school when I really started playing and, and really loving it, it was like, oh, this is cool. And maybe I'll be able to make some money doing it on the side, but still never full time um, until, you know, three years ago or something like that when, when I started doing it. It was Mm -hmm. just, I got a lot of calls and met some cool people and was like, all right, let's, you know, let's give this a try. It's always something I've loved more than anything else. And I'm not getting any younger, you know, so (laughs) might as as well try it. And it's, it's been pretty cool for the last couple of years. Do you remember the first time that you got paid to play music? So vividly, I have a a picture of it. I remember I got a $50 bill for playing at some party or something and I took a picture of it and I still have that. And uh how old were you then? Uh like seventeen or sixteen, something like mm-hmm. that. But I just remember that feeling for sure. And I still every time I get a check, it's that same feeling. It's it's pretty surreal, you know. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that feeling? Because it is so validating, I think, to be recognized for something that you are so passionate about and to have made this your full-time career when it had for so long been more of a side hobby where sometimes you would get paid, but it wasn't what you were relying on for your livelihood. So what is that feeling? It's, I mean, surreal is the word. Like I've spent so much time just enjoying music and I think it's like I was saying, it it was never something I saw as like this money maker, this thing I was going to do with my life. And 
it was just something I love to do. And so every time somebody wants to pay you to do that, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, and you know, I'm still just kind of pinching myself a little bit. It's hard to believe, I guess, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool feeling for sure. Mm-hmm. And when you were going to college and even after when you were graduating, what did you think you would be working in? What kind of jobs were you working towards at that point? Um, I just, you know, we worked at Bendini together and, mm-hmm. and did the, the tech thing and um, kind of account management and contract negotiation and that kind of stuff. I did sales for them for a little bit. Um, it, my plan was just always get a job in the corporate space and kind of work my way up the ladder, I guess. Do you feel like working in tech or even specifically sales has helped you now that you are a musician full time? Oh, so much. I'm so thankful for all of that experience. Mm-hmm. I think the professionalism of things, of that side of things, um, really gives me a leg up in the industry I'm in now because musicians are not really taught those skills of yeah. being on time and <laughs> those types of things. <laughs> um, and just being organized and communicating effectively. And I learned all of that, you know, through my college experience and then through working in the corporate world, how important all that stuff is. And mm-hmm. I can see that doing having such a focus on all of that still really gets me a lot of gigs and, um, you know, it makes it easier to work with me. I think if, mm-hmm. if you have a lock on those kind of things. And uh, like I said, that's just not something that's commonplace. For yeah. So it kind of opens up opportunity when you do have that level of professionalism and they can rely on you and know that you are trustworthy because you are where you're you say that you're going to be at the agreed upon time and all of that <laughs> exactly it seems so simple you know but uh it's i'm just yeah I'm, I'm grateful for the experiences that i had kind of in a more professional space um you know i feel well equipped for where i'm at Yeah, that makes sense. And when you are organizing your time or you're taking on a new gig, what goes into those considerations? Are you are you being outraged and you're generally just saying yes, um, because it's a new opportunity for you? Or are you weighing that opportunity versus what else that could be there? Like, how does that all work? It's a balancing act for sure. It's hard when you you have your people who you really like to work with, you know, you really enjoy working with them for either the money's really good or the music's really good or just the friendship aspect, the hang of things is really good. Um, and then, and so you want to say yes, you want to do those things because they tend to bring gratification and, and good experiences. Um, but then also getting into those new circuits and you know, meeting new people is also really important. Um, but those people may have different expectations of how you're going to work, maybe what your pay is going to be or how much, you know, maybe the gig's a four hour gig and 
the the pay may not be there or something like that. You got to work with a lot of different people and um, organize things effectively so that you can leave your time open for important gigs, you know, that may come up a really high paying one or something like that, or an artist you really want to work with. Um, so it's feeling people out. It's communicating with people and setting expectations effectively and understanding how much work is going to go into a gig. You know, if it's 40 songs for, and you got to play for five hours, you know, that's, there's a lot of prep work that goes into that. Um, if it's, a gig that's really far away, you know, you got to put all, you got to look at everything that's going to go into a gig. And that's where the effective communication with somebody comes in and you end up having to say no to a lot of things that aren't going to be worth your time in the end. Um, which is hard, but it's needed, you know, if you want to be successful, I guess. Are you, paid for rehearsal or is that all just part of the booking amount that you get for the gig or do you have like an hourly rate how do the economics work that's what's hard about it is everybody has different expectations and it's like it's like i have you know 50 different bosses in a given month maybe and it's just you have to really feel somebody out and trust is really important. And that's why I brought up working with somebody who you really enjoy, because once you find somebody who's easy to work with in this business, it's like you find the opposite a lot. And, uh, it can be hard to, to set expectations. And some people want to really value your time and want to pay you for every minute that you're going to spend working on their music or rehearsing with them. Other people expect you to do that stuff for free. And to standardize things is, is hard, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really just working and like I said, establishing if something's going to be worth your time and whether that is monetarily or through a good experience or, you know, something like that, playing really good music can even be worth it. So mm-hmm. what kind of gigs pay the best generally like do wedding gigs usually pay really well versus like recording sessions recording sessions are are a mixed bag because some people want to pay you a flat rate other people Mm want to give you a percentage of the song you know production points or something like that so you can kind of make a bet on how good how well a song is going to do um but as far as live gigs, weddings generally pay very well, um, but sometimes they can be really far away. And so you got to kind of bring that into consideration. Um, I do a lot of church gigs and some church gigs can pay extremely well. I'd say those are probably the top two, like weddings, corporate parties, things like that. And then um, some church gigs. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about production points. So you would get paid based on the sales of the record? Yeah, like, you know, if you get a million plays on Spotify, I can have 2% of that or something like that, um, mm-hmm. depending on how much or how, yeah, how much of the song I really influenced. Yeah, interesting. 
And you brought up a good point how it's kind of like you're playing with a new team every day or every week. And there's always going to be that trust building time that is needed before you all get comfortable into a place where you're in a rhythm and cool with people experimenting and trying something new. How do you have any tips or anything for a musician who is just starting with a new group? Yeah, I mean, definitely be as professional as possible. I think making sure your gear works perfectly, showing up on time, learning the material is so important. And not only being good at your instrument, but having your own voice, I think is is very important. I think a lot of musicians, especially ones trying to start out and really make something of themselves, they're just trying to sound like whoever's the hot guy or girl in the circuit, you know, maybe an artist in the top 40 scene that's really good right now or a guitar player that everybody likes and they just kind of sound like a worse version of that. Um, And... So I think something over the last few years that was important for me was to like really find your voice on the instrument and, Mm -hmm. you know, know what Andrew does well or know what people enjoy that I do and really hone in on that rather than just trying to sound like a John Mayer or, you know, Santana or whoever people may enjoy. Do people ask you before booking you, like, what kind of sound do you have or what kind of music do you mostly play or most familiar with? Like, is there that vetting process? I think there was, um, or in certain circuits, I definitely get that, you know, based on the, the color of my skin. But now that I get so many gigs uh, through word of mouth and through friends, it's less of, can you do it? You know, people, I I had a friend say one time that playing music is more of a checkbox and it's like, can you do it or can you not? And once people know that I can do it, it becomes about the other aspects of who I am. And that's the professionalism. Am I fun to hang out with? Things like that. Um, it's, I hate to boil it down to that, but when you're a gigging musician, that's that's mostly what it is. Everybody yeah. can play. And nobody really cares as much about how well. <laughs> are you marketing yourself online at all? Like, are you using Instagram to promote the gigs that you have or just to promote yourself? It, it is kind of a resume, I think. So I, I'm pretty bad at posting things, but I recognize how important it is. And I get a lot of gigs from people finding my social media or seeing me tagged somewhere and going, Oh, who's that? Um, so it's definitely important. Um, as far as marketing the gigs, I'll market my, the gigs that are like with my band or a band that I'm kind of leading or something I have a lot of influence in. Um, but for the most part, it's, I'm just getting hired for a concert. I'm not their promoter or anything like that, you know. Maybe I'll do it to tell my friends to come out if it's something I'm proud of, but Well, tell me more about the bands that you're organizing and you're putting together. How did those opportunities arise and what tell me more about the role of you putting together a band? 
Yeah. Um, so I have, I have a band with a really good friend of mine and it's, it's more of like a funk kind of outfit. It's just what we enjoy playing. It's the music that we like and we'll just get small gigs and it's more of a, less of a moneymaker and more of a, let's go have fun tonight type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, club kind of gigs. We'll do clubs and, you know, restaurants and mm-hmm. parties and things like that, wh- wherever we can play. Yeah. Um, but then I'll also get artists coming to me knowing that I'm connected and asking me to, you know, direct their band. And um, so that'll just kind of be working with the artists and seeing what they're looking for, what kind of sound they're going for, and then going through my contacts and seeing who's the best fit for that and then Mm -hmm. giving them a call, you know? Yeah. Um, And that's, you know, at that point you're running the rehearsals and making sure everybody's on time and learning the material and doing you proud. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're more of a, I guess, managerial role in that sense. Is it all just like manually organizing or do you have anything that you use, any sort of software or anything that helps you to kind of project manage everything? Uh, no, it's, it's more manual. It's, if I had a team that was very regular, I think that it would be really helpful to standardize it. Um, but for the most part, I'm like you said, I'm playing with a different team multiple times a week. So if I have a singular gig that I'm producing or, you know, musically directing, it's usually just a text thread and maybe a Dropbox or something like that. Gotcha. I know you also used to teach music, so I'm curious how you got into teaching and what your role looked like at that point. Yeah, so I taught private lessons and, you know, worked with kids and things like that. Um, But I think the most gratifying teaching that I've done, I ran a studio for... uh, I guess, underprivileged youth in Santa Rosa. And so the kids, it was like an after school program and the kids could come in and I had a full studio set up and would run workshops or do recordings or teach classes, things like that. Um, and that's definitely some of the most gratifying, you know, experiences that I've had playing music, just getting to work with kids and, now seeing some of them post or send me videos that, you know, were kids who I taught six, seven years ago and seeing how far they've come and that music is so influential in their lives. I I think everybody, all musicians should try to give back in that way and and at least teach a little bit, you know, give their knowledge back to kids. When you think about your future, what kind of goals do you have around making music, producing music, teaching music? Like what, what do you think about when you're crafting your career in 10 years from now? That's a hard question. Um, I, I think I've been trying to just see where this thing takes me since it's been such a short amount of time and something that I've only kind of newly realized. Um, I do. I would love to go on some big tour 
you know, with an artist and sleep in the bus and do that whole thing. I think that would be very, very fun. And yeah, more of like a, a, a bigger goal for me. But for now, I'm just enjoying the ride of seeing where this, this thing takes me. What artists have you been feeling really inspired by that are touring or acting musicians right now? Oh, so many. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, I've been listening to D'Angelo. We'll just put that into the atmosphere that he's going to be actively doing music and touring again. Um, I'm sure his schedule dates. I just don't know if he'll show up. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we'll we'll speak that into existence that yeah. that's going to happen. <laughs> D'Angelo is my top, top. D'Angelo and Prince for sure. Yeah. What guitar players have you been watching and learning from as you just practice on your own? Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, I've been learning so much about gospel music playing in these churches. Um, and it's something that I, I feel like my whole life I was like searching for this sound and I never listen to gospel music and now finding it, it's kind of like that missing piece of like, Oh, this is what I've been looking for. So, uh, Spanky Alford is this old school, uh, gospel quartet player. Some of the newer guys like Chris Payton, I really like Jubu Smith. Um, this, this kid who plays for, Mono Neon, his name's Xavier Lin. He's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, just a lot of these church kind of gospel guitar players that have this sound that I really, really enjoy lately. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you're still going out and seeing live music as much as you were before you made music your full-time job? I was just thinking about that today. Um <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. I mean, you you know, like we would go see shows all the time, like every mm-hmm. night. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of concerts. And I'd say over the last, you know, two years, I haven't seen nowhere near that many. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I hear so much great music every day yeah. that sometimes it's hard to pay money to go see it now, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fair. I also think that you're inspired by the people that you're playing with and don't necessarily need to buy a ticket to go to a concert to get that inspiration. Yeah. And I mean, I truly play with just phenomenal musicians. I'm so inspired every day playing with these guys and girls and so, yeah, it's sometimes I'll go to a concert I paid for and it's just, nowhere near what I just heard (laughs) the day before, you know, in the rehearsal room. So yeah, (laughs) it's, it's, it's different now for sure. Mm -hmm. What's been your least favorite part of being a working musician? Oh, I think the, the volatility of it is hard. It one, it comes, you know, in waves and sometimes you have really good weeks or months and sometimes it's a little bit more dry. Um, but Sometimes you'll work really, really hard with 
a group of people to create something wonderful. And then the day of the gig, one of a thousand things could go wrong that make it so that that potential isn't realized. And I think that can be disappointing. I had a, a wedding gig that we were doing the other day and it was the one day that it rained here in the last you know month. And so we had to stop everything and I had spent so much time on the music and the band that was playing that got hired for it was just insane. Um, some of Jennifer Hudson's touring band was in it and just full horn section, really fun. And the set list was great. And we got rained out. It's like such a bummer when you put all that work into something and then don't even get to play the music, you know? So, yeah. and that, that's not a uncommon occurrence that something mm-hmm. like that happens. Um, so that can be frustrating, I guess, but you know, on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it does seem like there's always a next one that you're focusing on. <laughs> that's yeah. Usually. So you have to be resilient. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, what sort of advice do you have for somebody that maybe plays music, but it is their hobby right now and they're potentially interested in making it their full-time job? Um, what would you say to them? Um, I think get really good at your instrument. Get really, really, really good. Um, and then be confident in yourself and get out there. Like, don't, I think as musicians, we have a some kind of complex where we want everything to be perfect before we release something or before we go play live, we want to make sure we don't embarrass ourselves or whatever. And this kind of self doubt gets in so many people's ways mm-hmm. who are just so incredible and it's that they won't get out there and do it because they don't think they're good enough. So just understand that, you know, you're going to have times where you don't hit every note and the band doesn't sound perfect. And that's just how it is, but get out there and go play your music because Mm -hmm. it's the most important thing. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think that practice just does build confidence and everybody wants to be around somebody that does exude confidence and that feels trustworthy. So you want to hire somebody that believes they're going to do a good job because then you'll believe it that much faster. Yeah. And if you make a mistake or if it's raining really hard, like Prince would say, just try and make it rain harder. (laughs) Hey, there you go. I love that. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Andy. This was so fun to talk to you. Yeah. So great to hear your voice. Go to unchartedcareers.com if you're interested in one-on-one career coaching or are looking to learn more about uncharted careers and my coaching approach. Thanks for listening.